Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari. This is the podcast where I do my best to catch you up on the week. If you haven't been paying attention, if you've completely tuned out of the news, if you have tuned out of the celebs and what they've been up to, or just tuned out in general, you've had a lot going on, perhaps, no problem. That's what we're here for. We're here to catch you up. You can go out in the weekend and cheat your way through any conversation that you may encounter. Um, I hope you are well. I hope you had a good week. I think it has been a really weird one. It has been a, a, a really tough few weeks. And it's funny, even when I was saying there, if you've completely tuned out of the news, like normally that feels like a normal thing to say. But at the moment, I don't know if it's possible to completely tune out of the news because it is so absolutely heartbreaking what is happening in Gaza. Uh, the atrocities that are ongoing, the number of children who've been killed, the number of innocent lives that have been lost. Um, it's almost too much to take. And it feels kind of funny. I think I've mentioned on my social media that I've been struggling to post as normal. And, you know, on some days I haven't been able to think about anything other than the absolutely awful things that are going on. And then on other days I've had things to do for work or with my kids or whatever that mean that I, I have been able to to disconnect from it somewhat and then you kind of feel guilty about the fact that you've been able to disconnect from it because you know obviously the people who are there do not have that opportunity and um, it is a really tough time to be a human I mean I really believe that Um, obviously toughest to be someone in the situation but I think for those of us who are trying to get on with it and um, who are sensitive to to what's going on it's it's really difficult as well and particularly weird over the, I think the course of the last week because obviously Halloween is such a big family celebration of family time time for children and that children really enjoy and I think many of us parents really really and truly felt massive gratitude for the fact that we were able to take our kids out and uh, have pretend spooks and scares when so many children are really struggling with it in real life it's it's been difficult um but I you know 
I think we're all doing our best. I think most of us have done what we can. You know, we've donated where appropriate. Many of us have written letters to TDs and other public representatives, no matter, depending on where you live. Uh, lots of us have been out protesting. And I think that we should definitely continue that. Um, since Carl and I recorded the news segment this morning, um, the Taunashta has actually called for a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza um, or within this conflict. And um, I think that that's great news and, and hopefully more countries will follow suit. I think this is evidence of, you'll hear Carl say that it does feel like the message of normal people is actually getting across at this point to governments that, you know, we are not happy with what's happening and it's not acceptable to us. And um, so, you know, I think that we should try and take heart and the fact that the noise that we've been making, um, yes, the posts that we've been sharing on social media, the emails that we've been sending, the protests do actually matter. Um, because I think if, if everyone had stayed silent on this, then probably nothing would have changed. So maybe we can take a little bit of heart from that. Um, other than that, not a, not a huge amount going on for me this week. Um, I, yeah, I'm just bopping around, you know, trying to just keep going, basically feeling very lucky that I get to put my kids asleep every night safely. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the height of it. Later on in this episode, you will hear me chat with Tammy Darcy, who's the founder of the Shona Project. She is a brilliant woman and her story is really powerful. So I think you'll enjoy that. And then we will do, of course, a bit of light relief in celebs, although we also will reflect on the tragic loss of Matthew Perry. So there's lots and lots and lots to get into, my friends. Let's get going with the news. Carl Kinsler, uh, you just asked me how I was and I said, well, the horrors persist and so do I. <laughs> it does kind of feel the way things are at the moment in the news. It, it Things are not getting any better and it's very difficult to kind of live alongside, I think particularly for people who work kind of in news. But I actually think that almost everyone is struggling with this now. I've seen a real change over the last week in people's kind of level of frustration and upset. I think that's absolutely true. And I think you actually notice it in the reporting of particularly Israel and Gaza. Mm. You'll see a lot a lot of the reports, for example, will contain a line like, oh, international international condemnation of events has increased in the last couple of days or weeks. And you definitely see it. So like this week you had Bolivia, for example, cutting diplomatic ties with Israel. It's South Africa calling for uh, Netanyahu to be or like you know the relevant Israeli leaders to be prosecuted under international criminal law so you definitely can see the pressures rising across the world because I think maybe occasionally with geopolitical events like this there's some fatigue that creeps in with people mm. people move on people forget about it but I think the images we're seeing out of Gaza are so horrifying and so persistent and it's sort of each week it's this new horrible thing obviously this week it's the bombing of the refugee camp in J Jabalia um, so uh, yeah as you say people are not looking away at all if anything people's horror is just intensifying day after day um, and I, I think if one thing, it sort of makes you feel as though there will eventually be some kind of action taken to put a stop to it, mm -hmm. um, simply, simply because the public, you know, the public in the UK, the public in France and the US in Ireland, the public all over the world seems to be at odds with the way world leaders are approaching this. I saw I saw a poll, I think, carried by either CNN or Fox News or some American TV station, even 56 percent of Republicans agree with the ceasefire. Wow. 
which is just like once you've got them on side it's like you are talking about a, a major majority of your population wants there to be a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. wow that's really interesting i hadn't seen that um that's that's encouraging i think um in in some ways um because you know, some of the stuff that's been coming out of America has been very hard to stomach. I mean, some celebrity stuff. Amy Schumer seems to have just completely gone off some sort of edge. Um, you saw Hillary Clinton saying that if you're calling for a ceasefire, you just don't understand Hamas. Um, like, there's been some tricky stuff, not not really categorizing Hillary Clinton as a celeb, in quotes, by the way. <laughs> but, like, there has been some difficult stuff to stomach coming out of America this week. So it's, it's good to hear that, that. Because on the other, the flip side of that is we've seen massive protests in America as well massive protests by Jewish people who don't want this kind of thing happening in their name understandably that's yeah I think the pressure is beginning to tell there was a, an incident yesterday where Joe Biden was giving a speech and he was interrupted by a heckler a, a woman a rabbi mm. uh, so you know obviously someone of the Jewish faith and she put it to Biden that it was it was time for a ceasefire and he which I think is quite rare for you know a United States president he actually engaged with the heckler and he was saying that and I mean, heckler is probably, uh, you know, all the reports I saw use the term heckler. It seems like kind of an unfair uh, way of describing someone who's calling for peace. But he actually responded to the person who interrupted him. And he was saying that he's the one who's been calling off Netanyahu in terms of a ground invasion, that he is trying to secure a ceasefire. He said it was time for a humanitarian truce in order to, in his words, get the prisoners out. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, I think there's a big shift and you can even see there's a big shift in the sort of language that leaders are using yeah. that they were using in say October 9th, October 10th to what they're saying now. And it seems like they are now, I, I think it's what happens when you witness such horror on such a scale, there's no way to stand by it, mm -hmm. even for these like practice world leaders who have kind of so much history of, I suppose, watching wars unfold and watching atrocities happen in these far flung places. But it seems as though, even Joe Biden and even the kind of, yeah, the most powerful Western world leaders are being kind of brought to heel by the horrors we're seeing and the pressure that's coming from protesters in their own countries. So yeah. it's, 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 it feels kind of crazy to, I wouldn't, you know, go so far as to use a phrase like the tide is turning, but you can feel the upswell of pressure, I think. Yeah. From, from protesters. Well, and I mean, you know, just to get the facts of the matter are that things have really escalated over the last week in terms of the Israeli kind of invasion of Gaza. I mean, they were already there. It's not an invasion, but the ground offensive, I suppose. Um, we saw it was, I think it was on Friday night that things really took a turn. There was a blackout and access to electricity and internet was gone in um, Palestine. And it had already been limited. Um, and I think there was a real sense that things were about to get a whole lot darker, which is hard to imagine given how dark things already were. Um, and, and we've watched that unfold over the last week. And as you said, you know, we have seen the bombing of refugee camps. Like it's been, I suppose I just, the question is how many dead children are we going to see on our social media feeds before this becomes unacceptable for the people who are actually allowing it to happen? Yeah. And, and I mean, as far as the rhetoric coming from Israel goes, there really is no limit. I mean, you have people from 
uh, Netanyahu's own party calling for a total erasure of Gaza. Yeah. Um, like that's the kind of phraseology they're using. They, they're they not distinguishing between civilians and Hamas fighters. And that's why we're, you know, that's why it's, you know, people have been calling this a genocide for a long time, but more and more people in, you know, official roles are now calling it a genocide. We saw there was a, a senior official in the UN's office in New York resigned this week with a very powerful letter saying that, you know, he has unfortunately worked in the UN at times when they've looked back and seen that they, they mess things up, you know, in places like Rwanda. And he said, it's happening again. And I can't stand by and watch it happen. Yeah, this is someone who's been working at the UN for 30 plus years, I think mm. I saw. Yeah. And this is kind of what's caused him to throw in the towel. But you, you said it yourself, like on Friday night, when the sort of blackout began, and it became clear that Israel were wiping out Gaza's telecoms. It just, it was really just frightening to mm. sort of sit sit there i'm sure there was people all over ireland sat there just staring at the screen of their phone just becoming engulfed in this completely tragic completely you know from from our end of the spectrum like avoidable yeah. you know this sh it just shouldn't be happening um and yet people feel very powerless and i think it's it is a testament to the will of kind of people power that even in the face of this powerlessness that so many people are protesting they're doing letter writing campaigns because i do think those things far too slowly but i do think those things are actually making a difference yeah um so but yeah so this week the the kind of primary events were the the bombing of the refugee camp which which they think has killed you know several hundred people mm. um the death toll is now at around 9,000. The the UNRWA, which is the UN Relief and Works uh, yeah. Agency, uh, they said that more children have been killed in Gaza in the last couple of weeks than have been killed in all conflicts globally since 2019. Mm. Um, so I think when you put it in that light, it is just an unbelievable humanitarian disaster. That, But I mean, as far as the perspective of people in Ireland or people who globally have had enough of it, all they can do is keep protesting and keep putting yeah. pressure on their elected officials to put pressure on Israel. But Yeah, it's worth noting that there was a border open this week, which was quite significant. It meant that pe some some people, a limited number of people were actually able to get out of Palestine. It was mostly people who like held another nationality, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of was specifically for either kind of grievously wounded people or people with dual nationalities. Mm. Or and just, there are you know, there are Irish people who are Palestinian Irish there still. There are, I believe the official figure is there's 35 Irish Palestinian people who uh, the Irish government is hoping will be allowed to make this crossing at Rafah into Egypt. Mm. Um, I, I don't think we have any like, you know, Department of Foreign Affairs update as to where mm. those people are right now. I don't think there's any kind of certainty. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it is. And it is just it kind of goes back to the how barbaric the whole thing is that we have this humanitarian crossing opened up but it is specifically for people who aren't just Palestinian yeah you have to either be a foreign national or have some other nationality and it just goes to sort of illustrate the second class citizen nature of the existence that Palestinians have in Gaza mm. uh so, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it is it's good news in a sense. It means more people are getting out, more people are getting to safety. But it feels but a bit it, gross. It feels gross. And it, yeah. it just it's still just it looks so wrong. And it it's it it just brings you back to how tragic the whole overall situation is. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, look, we'll park it there. I know we'll be talking about it again next week. I did notice this week um, that there were reports of a massive uh, shelling of Russia 
or of Ukraine, excuse me, by Russia. Apparently, um, they shelled 118 settlements in 24 hours this week, which is more than any day so far. I wondered, like, are they taking advantage of the fact that we're all looking at Palestine to kind of do this? I mean, we'll never know what their motivation is, but I suppose it's important to note that that, that conflict is ongoing. Yeah, it certainly, if you were... I suppose if you were a PR person working for the, the Russian military, that's exactly what you'd be thinking because attention is so firmly diverted at the minute. And it is something that like uh, President Zelensky did warn about in the early days of the sort of escalation in, in Gaza. He worried that Ukraine would fall down people's sort of radar. Yeah. Um, which I mean, that's it's. I mean, some people could probably hear that and think it's quite a cynical way to to think about the conflict that your people are engaged in and it's a cynical way to think about Gaza. But at the end of the day, there is also a limited amount of sort of attention people can pay across the board. And there is no doubt that Ukraine and Russia has fallen down the pecking order in terms of what people are paying attention to. But this, yeah, this shelling, it was, it was 118 settlements in, in 10 regions. Mm. Um, I think the, the belief was just, or the reports were just that this is crazy and i it'll tell you so much about sort of working in the news at the minute that i, I was about to say like just one person was killed or just two people were killed mm. you know it totally because we're being so bombarded with so much death every day and like i say working in the news but i think it applies to people consuming the news as well or people yeah. just trying to live their lives that you're faced with so much death mm. that you you know like but so obviously the reason why ukraine has sort of fallen off the radar is because the scale of death in gaza is so much higher yeah um but there is still death and war unfolding in ukraine and it's it is it's no less sad yeah and yeah it does seem like uh russia has taken this opportunity to sort of dramatically ramp up its uh its shelling on on ukraine yeah, it's horrible. Um, now, unfortunately, the weather didn't do us any favours in Ireland, which seems like absolutely small fry uh, when you compare it to what's going on in countries like Ukraine and Palestine. But still, there are people's lives being severely impacted in Ireland by this major weather. More flooding. Um, Storm Kieran now is who we're blaming uh, this one on. Um, but I have to say, I've been really impressed by the kind of spirit of the people whose businesses and you know homes are potentially being destroyed in this situation. Yeah, I find that as well. I do find when you when you sit down and you read their accounts, they are sort of like, I mean, they're kind of like low key tragic in that you're reading about like a, a clothing shop being, you know, put out of business for months or weeks or whatever. But like, yeah, there does seem to be a very uh, resilient attitude of yeah. the people who are af affected by these things. And they, they have a real like, ah, sure, we'll just like get on with it. And in yeah. a few months we'll reopen kind of, which yeah, is inspiring. Cause I, I mean, I don't think I would be that. I don't think I would have that level of stick to itiveness. I think if, you know, if my house got flooded, I'd be like, I'm finished as a person. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'd be, I would be moaning. You you can bet your bottom dollar I'd be moaning. Maybe if I was on the news, though, I might be like, oh, sure, you know, we'll just keep going. But one way or the other, like the fact that they're even able to put on a brave face, because it is, I mean, I can't even imagine having your home or your business flooded. And, you know, a bit for a business, especially in this economy, for a business to be, you know, out of operation for a few months is pretty intense, even if you have good insurance or whatever. Yeah, and... 
I think what's disturbing about this most recent example, Storm Kiron, is that it's affecting places like Nori. So you had some business owners in Nori saying that this is unprecedented and they've mm. never uh, experienced anything like this before. Mm. So say in two weeks ago, we had Storm Babette and it mm. was uh, Middleton. Middleton is yeah. kind of, they have some degree of flood defenses. They are sort of, it's, it's very low lying and it's right there sort of, on the coast but also near a river so it's, it's really badly situated for flooding mm. but nori as they say this is kind of unprecedented there and it does really set the cat amongst the pigeons in terms of a few years down the line we will probably just be wondering what town is next like yeah. it will just be a case of just flooding uh, it's certainly going to become more regular and i mean so the government has set aside 13 million mm. in for, and that's across all these various flooding yeah uh, and it's you know that's only going to go up year after year. We're only going to need more flood defenses, more adaptational infrastructure. And it's uh, not great. (laughs) No. Yeah. We're all, we're all going to get wet. Like I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because it's the absurd reality that we find ourselves in. And yet there are still people who are completely denying climate change as a thing. It's wild. Yeah, or even just sort of pushing through ideas that are that don't serve us well yeah. in the whole sort of carbon emissions game. Like yeah. ideally, this you know it should be a wake up call, but ultimately, even if it is a wake up call, it's a wake up call that's way too late. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're in a in a space now where we're adapting as opposed to preventing. Yeah, which is a weird sort of mind shift to be in. Like yeah. I, I suppose you grew up around a similar time to me, and there was maybe some optimism around like, okay, we'll just bring down the you know global temperature yeah and now it's just sort of like now we have to we have to give up on that the temperature's gone up we now we now we just need to barricade our homes yeah it's cute it's cute that we thought we could do that um cute a a brighter time (laughs) yeah Ah, it's all great, isn't it? <laughs> I I tried to find a like a kind of good good news story for us, um, and I and I did because this is a good news story, but it is also in the context of bleakness, unfortunately. However. It is good news that stalking is now a standalone offence. Previously, it was not. You could stalk someone and it, you wouldn't be charged specifically for stalking. Um, and this is the, the like, thanks to the really hardworking campaigning of, of women who've experienced it, really. Yeah, absolutely. So this is um, a new law that came into effect this week. So it's the Criminal Justice Miscellaneous Provisions Act. And it does it, it it brings in the government certainly has tried to focus more and more so on domestic, sexual and gender based violence. I think Ireland's laws were quite out of date. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you say, one of the things that is being punished or one of the things you can be prosecuted for under the new law is stalking, which is, you know, one of those things that I think everybody sort of has it in their head as Oh, that's already a crime but no it's it's only right now that that, that this will be uh um that you can be prosecuted for this in ireland so this is a is a range of provisions that hopefully will provide like better protection for the guardian and strengthen existing laws yeah um uh, so it's it's kind of it's conduct that seriously interferes with a person's peace or privacy causes alarm distress or harm mm. and this law will also cover non-fatal strangulation which you know sounds like a terribly specific thing to cover but unfortunately you know this is what research-based uh sort of uh studies of gender-based violence show is that like this is an extremely common form of violence for mm. you know part of coercive control and part of domestic violence is non-fatal strangulation um so that's you can get uh, a max a maximum sentence of up to 10 years yeah uh, for that and uh the 
assault causing harm, the punishment for assault causing harm, the maximum sentence that has also doubled from five to 10 years. Yeah. So ult- ultimately, it's a it's a toughening, you know, making our laws more severe. Yeah. And thank God for that, because how many times I mean, on this podcast, myself and Aoife would have talked about so many situations where people were sentenced to what seemed like meaningless kind of paltry um, prison sentences or no prison sentences at all. You know, people who have been convicted of doing terrible things to women and then seemingly, you know, get away with it to a certain extent. And and it is at this time, if Aoife was here, that we'd be going, who'd be a woman? You know, this is the reality. And yes, of course, there are men who are stalked as well and no one is erasing those experiences. But the majority of people who will benefit from these laws, and I mean, even just using the phrase benefit from these laws is horrific because you're already talking about people who've been put in horrible positions that they should never have been put in. But it is women who experience these things largely. Um, and it is unfortunate that we have to say our good news story this week is that maybe these people will be punished more harshly. But uh, that is that is where we stand. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Helen McEntee, Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee is making the point as well that like not only does it allow for people to be punished, but it also provides a sort of framework for people to report the crime. Yeah. So one, once you know the crime exists, then you feel more comfort in reporting it, which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, it's if, if you're on the fence, if you don't know whether what you're experiencing amounts to harassment or not, mm. it can be harder to report. Whereas if we have this kind of codified hard and fast thing in law yeah. it becomes easier for people to identify oh like non-fatal strangulation it's yeah. like you know if that's happened to you you now know it's illegal so and also it, the guardian know like because i think yeah yes. that's a situation that that i know people who have found themselves in where they've gone to the guards and the guards don't really know what to do and clearly what's happened is bad and wrong but Absolutely. they don't know kind of what category it, it falls into and so it becomes this kind of big shrug of like I don't know where we go from here so it'll make things easier for them as well and hopefully yeah, people true. will actually be kind of convicted and punished for these un- absolutely unacceptable behaviors I saw a TikTok which I might um record and and clip in here um this week of a guy who was out on Halloween and he was he's a big he was like six foot four or whatever gay guy but he was dressed up as I don't know, he was wearing like an orange prison jumpsuit and he had like loads of fake facial tattoos on. So he was dressed up as some kind of tough, scary guy anyway. And he said he was out and he was like, I'm actually going home because my night has been ruined. He said, because... I like tried to interact with women the way that I normally do. He said like, you know, he was like, I was like, hi, Barbie, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, and he could just see that women were not accepting what he was saying in the way that they normally would. He said that he would see them kind of look and then move away. He he would see them kind of, you know, usher their friends away from him. And um, he saw two women who were in front of him and he could see that they were kind of freaked out that he was behind them he rushed to kind of get ahead of them so that they didn't have to worry and then he heard one of them say to the other one don't worry he's like he's gone now and he just was like really confronted with the fact that women are afraid of men like a lot of the time and that's the reality of the way that women are forced to live and he said and I thought it was really good he said you know I'm not mad at the women. He said, I'm mad at the men because these women don't pull these reactions out of nowhere. Like this is experience-based response. Absolutely. Like I've certainly had like situations where say I've gotten off the bus late at night Mm. and maybe disembarking will be me and another woman. Mm. And yeah, you do have to use you because you know the sort of fears that are 
that are sort of uh, go around people's minds. So like, you know, that you have to sort of behave. So like, yeah, like you say, this guy coming up around and walking mm. in front of women. Yeah. Like that's something that I think is becoming quite commonplace behavior yeah. among men, because like you read so much online or you hear from your female friends about what, you know, the concerns that sort of affect women after dark. Yeah. And yeah, you realize that you need to change your own behavior just in order to create a safer atmosphere. And yeah. it's like, it's just it's so sad that we've gotten to a point where all behavior needs to be mediated mm. you know in in order for and it, it, like you say yeah it's it's on the men it's not on yeah. the women. These, these fears are not like make-believe or like baseless they're very much rooted in a lifetime of terrible you yeah. know being shouted at being harassed yeah so. and like it's funny when you say experiences after dark my brain immediately goes not after dark it's all the time mm. it's all the time right. Like, it'd be, yeah. you know, I, I would love a bit of relief in the day. I'm not now. Look, I'm not suggesting that I'm walking around scared all the time, but I am ready to be scared. I am ready to I have my eyes open. I'm looking around, you know, you're just kind of on a certain level of alert. I think that most men aren't not all men. You know, some men are vulnerable in other ways. But I do think that there is a special vulnerability that comes with being a woman. And anytime I see harsher punishments for men who choose to make women feel unsafe, I'm going to it is going to be a news, a good news story of some classification. Yeah. Anyway, Carl, maybe next week. I don't know. One of us will win the lottery or like what? What's a, maybe there'll be a ceasefire. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could actually just start this and say, hey, there's a ceasefire. And um, I was going to say something very I would like to see Israel get out of Gaza. You know, who knows? <laughs> like what we'll see. Maybe there'll be something brilliant. Um, fingers crossed. In the meantime, I yeah. hope you have a good week. Thanks. You too, Louise. The horrors persist, but so do we, Carl. Fight on. <laughs> um, remind the people before we go uh, where they can find your column in the journal. Yes. So my column is a weekly column. It's called Surreeling in the Years. It just takes kind of a, a sometimes humorous, more recently not that humorous look at kind of the stranger stories that unfold in Ireland that comes out every Saturday morning on mm -hmm. the journal.ie. Mm -hmm. And you can also find me on Twitter at TV's Carl Kinsella. There you go. Talk soon, Carl. The Shona Project is a nonprofit organization aiming to educate, empower, and inspire Irish girls to become strong and resilient and confident young women. It was founded by Tammy Darcy, and uh, where is the name of her sister? Tammy is someone I've been familiar with for a long time. She has worked tirelessly to get this project off the ground and to try and help it to impact as many young Irish girls and women as she possibly can. I'm a huge fan, and I was delighted to catch up with her this week so that she could share the message of the Shona Project and also tell us a little bit about where the name comes from, her sister Shona, and um, I suppose how you can use the Shona Project or get involved. Well, Tommy, it is a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. I've been an admirer of your work for some time, um, but for people who don't know, tell us about the Shona Project. That's always a really long question. I never really know when to start. But Take I your suppose, time. <laughs> especially with, with, with you, because, you know, you always talk of your teenage years as being so chaotic. And I think mine were pretty much up there as well. You yeah. know, um, when I was in first year in secondary school, I was a straight A student, um, really involved in loads of hobbies, really confident. By the end of second year, I was the opposite of that. Um mm um like there's a couple of reasons for that but like second year for me was just a perfect storm of trauma um my parents went through a separation that was about as messy as it gets and then 
I was being bullied in school. And when I say bullied, I mean hiding in toilet cubicles and climbing over the back wall after school to get yeah. away from bullies, like really badly bullied. Um, but the thing, you know, the, the biggest thing for me was my sister Shona, who was a year older than me mm-hmm. and like my best friend and the person like we lived in the middle of nowhere. We were just glued at the hip. Um, she was diagnosed with an acquired brain injury at 15 and she ended up in full time nursing care for the rest of her life. So um, and and there was no support around any of that. You yeah. know, we were from that generation where you get up and carry on. And and that was all ha- that all happened in the one year and you were what, 14 at that at that stage? Yeah, literally yeah. within about six months. Um, And you know, I ended up just getting really angry, getting an attitude problem, getting into trouble at school, moved out at 16, pregnant at 18. You know, like really, I was the kid that would have been voted like least likely to do anything with her life. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Shona project came from. It was, first of all, a tribute to my sister yeah. um, and the potential that she had because she was the, the really kind caring one who wanted to change the world and mm. I wasn't you know and I, I it always bothered me that people didn't know her name and that she wasn't able to do that so you know what I tried to do was turn something really negative into something really positive but mm. also for me it's been really easy because I've been able to answer every question with what did I need at 14 that I didn't get and yeah. how could somebody have reached me and what language could they have used and what could they have done to help me? So can I, yeah, before big... we, before we keep going, can I, do you mind if I ask you a little bit more about Shona? Yeah. So I feel like that's an experience that we don't hear a lot about when you have someone who you really love, who is still there, but they're not who they were. Um, I feel like I'm experiencing that a little bit at the moment because my mom has Alzheimer's disease. Um, mm. But for that to happen very quickly, I can't imagine how difficult that was for you. Yeah, this is funny because I did an interview on Radio 1 a few years ago. And when I left Radio 1, I don't know if you remember, you were coming in looking for a parking space. I do remember. this, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that interview had been the first time that I'd been asked about it in that way, because it was only years later that I realized that I had been grieving for 20, 25 years yeah. without being recognized. You have this weight, you have this... Um, and, and Alzheimer's is probably the closest thing to it, but she was 15 years of age, yeah. you know, um, and there's so many. And your sister. And my sister. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that that guilt that you feel because you really miss her and who she should have been. But then you're left with somebody and like to be really blunt, you don't know what to do with this person. You know, they can't communicate with you. Yeah. Um, like Shona passed away a few months ago after 30 years of illness and a lot came up yeah around that you know it was um really tricky but for me there was also a lot of release and for her family because she wasn't in pain like she didn't have the life any of us would have wanted for ourselves or yeah. anyone around us yeah and there's a lot you know as a sister and somebody who loves somebody there's a lot of um there's no textbook to get through all of these really complex feelings because like there was times where I would go and see her and she could be quite violent and really hard to be around. And I would leave and she, the, the nursing home she was in was in Bray. And I used to cry the whole way home and be like, I can't do this anymore. I yeah. can't go and see her anymore. It's just too hard, you know? Yeah. And she got great care and I was really grateful for that. But like, yeah, it was a huge, heavy, heavy weight for a long, long time. And, you know, she, obviously we're still grieving her again of now. Course, in a more, yeah. 
But I, I remember, if I'm really honest, I'm, like I've been to funerals of people who've lost people and been jealous of them because they've had that time and space to grieve. I don't know if you identify with that. I really know? do. I yeah. really do. I'm thinking that they're lucky. Yeah. And also, have- I, I don't know if you feel it, but sometimes I feel like the time that, they, that they've had that maybe I haven't had you know you can uh, it, this is such an awkward thing to talk about in a way because it feels very strange to say that you felt jealous of people <laughs> at the funeral of their love you know? yeah. yeah but I really really identify with that and I think yeah. it is important to acknowledge that feeling because I think there are lots of people probably who've had that as well and never hear another person speaking about this mm. experience like, I mean maybe Louise will, sh- will start a support group <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, as you say, I mean, for your situation, I mean, that is particularly difficult, I think, because when someone is 15, you really like you in particular being 14, being their sister, you know, you really knew her inside out, you knew the potential, you knew everything Mm -hmm. that she that she was headed toward. And then to have that taken away, um, but not in a black and white or cut and dry way is is so difficult. So I can, yeah. you know, and that, that makes total sense to me that you went off the rails for want of a better term. Um, and especially since you had the other stuff going on. So just to paint a, a picture, you're dealing with your parents separating and your parents are obviously also going through a very difficult time because they're experiencing this loss as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then the bullying, was that happening kind of already or did that come along with it? Yeah. Uh... Uh, that's a good question. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Like, I think, and you might identify with this as well, when you're somebody who experienced a lot of trauma, especially as a young person, your memory can be hazy and you yes. can have snapshots of things. Yeah, totally. And you also don't trust your own memory because mm-hmm. you're like, Did I imagine that like sometimes you make really tough things better in your mind to be able to cope and sometimes you make them worse. I'm yeah. not really sure. And, I, and by the way, talking about trauma, like none of this, the sad thing is specifically unusual you know so many women that I meet now have been through bullying or separation these are not you know like war zones but it like the trauma is real and often unacknowledged so yeah the bullying was bad it was I mean it was a a person who used to be my best friend so Mm. she knew all my insecurities and how to get to me and um yeah, I remember this one toilet cubicle in the school that was like the only place in the whole school, actually probably in the whole world because home wasn't safe either. Yeah. But I felt safe. I used to put my feet up in the back of the door and I'd read books and listen to music and yeah. just sit and just hide. And like, <sighs> the thing is, is every time we go to schools, we get messages from girls afterwards to say they do that. My own daughter, who's just turned 18, has done it numerous times herself. She's just I've left done it, me. yeah. I've done it. it Yeah. And that's the thing when you say that it doesn't, I mean, it's not a universal experience, but it is an experience that is shared by so many. And I would imagine teenage boys as well. Um, But I suppose, you know, from, from our perspective, we're thinking of the female experience. Um, And it is so common because unfortunately, um, you know, one of the ways that teenage girls cope with their own trauma and challenges is to lash out at others. Um, but usually there's, there's, you know, no one's happy. No, no happy people tend to be kind of mean or cruel to others. There's usually something going on there as well. So I suppose it all comes down to, you know, young people needing support. Yeah, there's a saying I love, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Um, and I really feel that. And the the other thing as well is when I go and talk to girls in schools, and I'm really honest about my experience. I also know and admit that I bullied mm. 
there's a girl I remember in school I remember just being horrible to her yeah and I don't know why like mm. she never did anything to me the best way I can describe it is she's just really happy and kind of seemed to have everything I didn't have and probably didn't have yeah. everything I probably wasn't happy but um you know I used to go to bed as a teenager with a knot in my stomach and wake up with a knot in my stomach and to know that I potentially had that impact on somebody else as well is not something I'm particularly proud of yeah um, but you know look I've tried to take something good out of it and yeah. create a conversation for girls where you know hopefully they don't feel as alone yeah so tell me then about you know what happened you you, you were on that path as you say where you feel like nobody would have expected you to do anything like what you've done Um. so how did it begin then how did things take a turn uh, when I was 25, I went back to college at night and I realized how much I actually loved learning um, and what amazing opportunities would come with that. And, you know, I I realized that this is a pathway to something better. Um, I met somebody when my first son was one and we've been married since and we had two other kids. And I guess I guess that the Tammy that used to be there was stronger than maybe what tried to break her. And when I got these new opportunities, I think she just kind of came back. Mm. Um, and I, I realized, you know, that I do have a lot of potential. I'm, I'm really freaking smart. Um, and I have like an entrepreneurial mind. My dad was an inventor and an entrepreneur, and I think it's like in me and I'd never mm. heard of the word social enterprise before. Mm. So, and I started coaching soccer boys and girls, uh, we're a soccer house a bit like your own house mm-hmm. and um, I noticed that when the way that you coach boys and girls are totally different so when boys would lose a match they'd walk off the pitch and it would be everybody else's fault you know like yeah oh, everybody was crap or he didn't pass <laughs> properly yeah. every single girl I've ever coached would blame herself oh my god that is so funny and so accurate because I see it in my own son's football team yeah and Thank blame god. herself yeah. and go home feeling like crap because she thinks she let everybody down and is not good enough and I was just like what is this you know and that's when and and the Shona project was kind of percolating in my mind for a number of years and I was like somebody would have already done it if it was a good idea somebody would have already done it and then I just said you know fuck it and I just did it and it took off so fast yeah so how did you start because you have this idea that you want to do something obviously to empower young women but like I've often thought I'd love to empower young women and I did not start the Shona Project. So like, you know, what did you, what was the starting point? Okay, so I was studying for a master's in education. Um, I finished my degree, I did a master's in business and then I went on to do a master's in education and I had to deliver a micro workshop to my fellow students. And I was like, maybe this is it. Like, maybe I'll come up with what I would like to do in schools with girls. And I did it. And every single one of my fellow students came up to me afterwards and were like, you should be doing this. Mm. You should like there. I've never seen anything like this before. And um, I rang my husband. Our kids were quite small. And I said, look, can you come in and meet me for dinner? And he was like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. What have I done? Mm-hmm. Um because we would never do that. And I just said, I have this idea. And my husband comes from a background, you know, of, you know, like pensionable jobs. So I really was expecting him to say, you know, Tammy, I have a really good job. And he was like, you have to do this. Wow. And How I beautiful did. to have that support. Oh, he's amazing. Like he, oh, he's just, everybody should have what I have at home. But, um, mm. and then I went 
the first year I used every holiday day, every weekend, I worked every night just trying to come up with that. And I never wanted it to be just like me going into workshops and schools, having a job. I wanted it to be a movement. I wanted it to be the biggest influence on this age group in Ireland. And I wanted, you know, when government are making decisions about like young women's health, that they will come to us and, you know, our voices will be the ones that impact change. And I always had that idea in my head. And, yeah. you know, it's definitely become that. Um, and I wanted everybody involved, whether it's our ambassadors, we've over 100 ambassadors now in 100 schools all over Ireland, and we've delivered workshops to 30,000 girls and given handbooks to 95,000 girls, like our numbers are absolutely through the roof, but I wanted every single one of those girls and everybody else who cares about it to feel like they have a place, even you Louise, like you, you came last year and spoke at Shine Festival mm -hmm. and the feedback that we got so many girls identified with you or with Eileen Flynn or with Georgie mm. Crawford or with anybody who spoke or Kelly Harrington spoke in Waterford a few weeks ago and you know we want you and now you're able to use your platform to share you know the work that we do as well so we want everybody to feel like we can actually when we work together and women support each other we can create a different experience for the next generation yeah um, I really um I I was like very honored to speak at Shine Festival. Um I was really scared. I couldn't <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get over it. Like I I I always kind of thought I would be good at that kind of thing, like talking to teenage girls because I still feel really connected to my experience of being a teenager. Like I don't yeah. feel like and I and I don't know that I'll ever not feel connected to that experience because it was, you know, there's such formative years and, you know, lots of stuff happened. Um but I also had had a couple of experiences of like speaking to mixed groups, not about what I was talking about that day. That day I was talking about body stuff. Um but where I did a couple of things in the pandemic where I couldn't see anybody's face and I was doing things over Zoom and I couldn't yeah. see facial expressions and I didn't know if anything was connecting. Like they'd be sitting in a classroom. I was on a screen so they'd have the lights off and I wasn't getting anything back. That's so I was awful. like, oh no, maybe I'm actually really terrible at this. <laughs> so when I went in that day, I was really scared um, and I couldn't get over how, you know, there were thousands of girls there and I couldn't get over how receptive they were and how focused they were and you know the amazing atmosphere that you've created because I had watched Amanda Ade speak before I came on and I was like well I'm not gonna beat that because she was amazing yeah. yeah and everybody was so wrapped in the audience and um, but I think you've just really created something beautiful where where these young women go in with open minds and they do listen and you know your speakers come from a diverse range of backgrounds so you know whether you identify with one person maybe not but you might identify with the next person it's a really special thing that you've done well I'm glad you were there to experience it because it is very different to anything you'll see everywhere else and yeah. I think what makes it different is you know you're authentic and I start the day off with my story and I yeah. think these girls expect to go into like a professional conference type event where mm. women are like, oh, I'm super successful and I don't cry in the shower because <laughs> I'm so exhausted. And yeah. I don't, you know, work like sometimes not want to leave the house because I feel like I don't look good and know that feel that I'd be judged that way. And I think when you're authentic, it doesn't have to be perfect. It yeah. doesn't have to be delivered beautifully and crisply. And these girls never hear that from women like us. And yeah. You know, I, I I can't believe you were nervous. I suppose we would have kind of thought, well, this is Louise, what she does. Mm. Like, celebrity, everybody knows Louise. She's going to come in and rock it and just, you know, blow. And you did, by the way. Nice. Um, and maybe if you were nervous and you 
were authentic your authenticity won them over and always will well I think it's just that we and I had maybe bought into this which I'm ashamed of um we have this idea of teenagers being a certain way and you know not being receptive and I think maybe I had forgotten for a minute how powerful it was for me as a young person to hear people's experiences um and I was like oh they're gonna think I'm a loser and like I got I got all I think I got all of my own teenage fears as well was part of it like all of that stuff came back so it was it was a very um it was a great experience for me like I I was very happy with how it went and you know I didn't have any bad feeling afterwards but I think it forced me to confront the fact that like all of those scared teenage feelings are still in there somewhere but also that like this narrative that we're sold about young people and I would have thought that I was completely resistant to that like I do genuinely not believe a lot of the things that were kind of sold about young people but I must have bought into it on some level because I did kind of think that they were just going to think I was a loser but I I forgot how the fact that actually when you're that age you are so open and um you know if someone speaks to you in the right way and if someone and I think you're right I think it is authenticity if someone is honest and open how meaningful that is um, and I think that's why it's so special. I think you're right. Yeah. Look, we're really proud of what we've done with Shine Festival. Like when you go on to shinefestival.ie, there's over 160 speakers on that. And what we wanted to do was make sure that every single girl saw herself represented there somewhere yeah. or things that she cares about. So we've covered everything from, you know, stalking and relationships to career to sport to you know, anxiety and well-being and, you know, academic stuff like and 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 explanation. Like we had Aoife on speaking um last year and she was great as well. Um and like of the all the people that we asked to do it, nobody says no. Mm. Nobody says no unless they have like a big booking they can't change and 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 women that are so super busy will find time because they believe in what we're doing as well. Um yeah. And you see those, oh, this year we had Sing Along Social at the end. Oh, amazing. So, and they were exactly what I've been looking for for years. I was like, I want the, the kind of energy to build through the day and I want the girls to all like bond with each other. And then I just want to celebrate. Yeah. And we had about 800 girls doing a conga through <laughs> SET arena. <laughs> Uh, with Whitney Houston over their heads and you know and they knew uh, all the words and we sang and we danced and you know look you'll have to come back next year and stay for the whole day and party with yeah, us yeah I'd love to I'd love to so aside from obviously Shine Festival is a big fixture in your year and then obviously you're still going into schools and then there's the website so is there any bit of it that you think that people don't know about that you'd like people to know about like if someone's listening now and they have a, a young person in their life who they feel could benefit from the Shona project what what should they be looking at I think for young people, um, it's just maybe tied into their social media. So, you know, we work really hard on Instagram and our TikTok and we have a team that do it. And I think what we want girls to know is that for every 10 posts they see that tells them they're not good enough, there'll be one from us that reminds them what they are. Um, And girls are so influenced online. It's such a big part. But, you know, the Shona.ie website is there. The Shine Festival website is there. There's so many resources there. We're also creating a podcast for parents at the moment, which will be launching soon because mm. so many parents reach out to us and they're like, I have daughters and I don't know how to help them. And yeah. I, when should I let them wear fake tan? And 
when should I give them a phone and you know yeah. how much of their bullshit should I take before I you know, absolutely <laughs> blow up um, so I think when you support parents you support the girls as well and what yeah. I'd love to years just have a show for boys as well because I think it's there's somebody needs to be having conversations with boys about what it means to be a man in the same way that we do absolutely with the girls. yeah absolutely well look Tammy I'm such a huge fan of your work and um, I'm really impressed with what you've managed to do and I can't wait to see it go from strength to strength where can people find the Shona project if they're looking for it yeah, so Shona.ie is our website. Shinefestival.ie is the festival website and we're all over Instagram. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Louise. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. As I mentioned earlier, the news of the tragic death of Matthew Perry did dominate this week's entertainment news segment um, and entertainment news sections all around the world. Um, but there were a few other things to touch on as well. Myself and Cassie talked about Channing Tatum and whether or not we think he's smart. We talked about Zoe Kravitz and how she's potentially the best woman in the world. And we also talked Halloween costumes, celebrity Halloween costumes, yay or nay. I hope you enjoy my chat with Cassie Delaney. 
Cassie Delaney, how wonderful to have you in my humble abode. Thank you for making your way here. I'm excited to talk celebs with you. Thank you for having me as always. Well, unfortunately, the stories were relatively thin on the ground this week. Um, There wasn't a lot going on aside from one big story. Yeah, I mean, this really took focus all week as it should have. Um, Poor Matthew Perry passed away on the 28th of October. So a couple of days ago, he was found unresponsive in his home in LA and was later pronounced dead at the age of 54. So um, foul play is not suspected, but obviously such an untimely death. Everyone is so shocked. So this week has really just been about tributes to him. There was that joint statement from the co-stars saying, we're also utterly devastated by the loss of Matthew. We were more than just castmates. We were a family. There's so much to say, but right now we're going to take a moment to grieve and process this unfathomable loss. Mm. So it's just really, really sad. You know, we had the creator from Friends come out, um, Marta Kaufman, who said, you know, he was in a really, really good place before his death. He'd actually quit smoking. He looked great. He was happy. He was chipper. And she said he didn't seem weighed down by anything. He was in a really good place. And this is why it seems so mm. unfair. Um and she said he was better than she had seen him in a while. I think, obviously, you know, um, Matthew Perry's history. A lot of people assume maybe there was foul play or something involved. But it just seems like it was a really, really tragic accident at mm-hmm. a very, very young age. Yeah, it's been interesting learning about Matthew Perry because, unfortunately, as often happens when someone dies, you you learn all kinds of things about them mm-hmm. that you didn't know when they were alive. And, like, I think most of us were familiar with the fact that Matthew Perry was a recovering addict and he spoke openly about that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of the amount of work that he had done to try and support people in similar situations. That's It's so beautiful to see, you know... Um, celebrities and co-stars and people he'd worked with over the years come out and say he was the person who introduced me to AA he mm. was the interpre- he was the the person who introduced me to the idea of being sober and mm. um, you know even his co-star is it Hank who used to play Hank Azaria that? yeah yeah he was like I've been sober for 17 years it was Matthew Perry that did that yeah. you know so it's just incredible. Like it, it does. We've all seen him um, talk about it and he wrote a lot about it in his memoir as well. Mm. But he really was such an advocate for sobriety and mm. helping people. And just the te- like the the sheer volume of people coming out devastated by this loss is a real testament to to him and how he did live. And yeah, I think it's interesting because I've like in my reading about him over the last week or so, you know, I was reminded that he didn't do a whole lot after Friends, mm. um, and he was so good in Friends. Like, let's be honest, he was absolutely brilliant in, and his comic timing was incredible. Like, I don't think that series would have been nearly what it was if it wasn't for Chandler Bing and his his portrait of Chandler Bing like Chandler has the funniest lines is the funniest guy like you know was the best part of it in many ways Um, and I read something about someone who worked with him on the odd couple like a reboot of a TV Mm. show that he 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 was doing after that who said like you know he really wanted a second chance to do that kind of acting like to be that good again and he never really got it but then I was reading that um he was speaking on a podcast last year and he said that he would prefer to be remembered for helping people through addiction rather than for his work on friends as Chandler Bing he said the best thing about me Barney none is that if somebody comes to me and says I can't stop drinking can you help me I can say yes and follow up and do it when I die I don't want friends to be the first thing that's mentioned I want that to be the first thing that's mentioned and I'm going to live the rest of my life proving that oh that's so sad I mean it was it is it It is is. part of his story and his legacy now but 
God, yeah, it was really sad. And like, I'm not a friends person. I think it's overrated. And I, <laughs> sorry to bring the tone down. I actually was like, these people. It was cause before he he died. There was the friends experience was in Dublin, and I yeah. was like borderline muting people who were going to the friends experience. So I was like, stop making it part of your personality. Well, I think I feel about friends the way that I also feel about Harry Potter, which is like, why yes. can we not move on? Like, I actually am. I'm, I'm keeping a rolling list of these things that <laughs> irritate me and give me the ick. Now I'm like, I'm also you know hate to I never want to yuck someone's yum and like whatever you're into Mm. and I did love friends but I'm just not really sure why we're still buying like friends merch I loved Harry Potter boo JK Rowling obviously Mm -hmm. but I loved Harry Potter but I'm just not really sure why adults are still buying JK Rowling merch like I just personally don't get it happy for you if that brings you joy I don't particularly get it. No, I am the largest hypocrite in the world because I'm like, stop making friends part of your personality. But like anytime someone sees anything about Sister Act 2, they're like, cast a lady. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we all have our things, let's be honest. But the thing about friends, I suppose, is that it has it has transcended generations because it's been on TV constantly mm-hmm. for like 30 years or something. Yeah. It is one of those like iconic TV shows and it was incredible he Mm. was really the star of it and yeah it's just it's just really 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 sad sad. really sad I did see some people talking about friends this week um, and I actually haven't watched it in a long time but um, I would revisit it I have to say the only thing for me is that the fat phobia in friends is off the charts the fat phobia the transphobia and the borderline homophobia is pretty well it's interesting because I saw some people this week saying that they thought that you know Carol and Susan the lesbian couple who like Ross's ex-wife who marries another woman um that they felt that that portrayal was kind of good because Ross was the one who looked like the loser. <laughs> yeah, just, which like, is funny for like people now, who are moving on with their lives. Like, the joke at the time when you're watching it in the 90s is it's so embarrassing for him that she's a lesbian. Well, yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, yeah, I mean, it hasn't aged very well in all these different, mm. in all these different areas, but it is still so loved. And, it, you know, it is a show that you will laugh if you watch it. Oh, a million percent, a million percent. And look, um, you know, it is so terribly sad that Matthew Perry has died. I'm so happy that so many people have jumped to pay tribute to him mm-hmm. um, and to make sure that people know that he did so much more than friends and in the hope that he will be remembered as he wanted to be for that work that he did. Um, but yeah, I can only imagine like that that cast are kind of like I don't know of any other television so- show cast like them because yeah. they came up so quick and so fast. The show became so popular so quickly. Mm-hmm. They really banded together as one unit. They negotiated their salaries as one unit, which was really groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. Um, and they did seem genuinely close. So Yeah, I mean, it ran for ten, ten seasons. Yeah, so ten years were, of their lives. Yeah, yeah. incredibly. Yeah. They are still very, very close, obviously. And even the clips looking, you know, watching the clips now of Jennifer Aniston talking about Matthew Perry, even in 2004 um are just beautiful they were obviously still very very close for their entire lives I will say I think you know as with every big story these days you know there is an analysis of the way that the media responded to it or the way that people responded to it and there were some strange parts of this like for example TMZ being outside his house taking photographs of his parents as they arrived like who needs to see that who yeah. wants to see that like we've surely really none of us want that, that. Yeah, like it's we've, gross we've really really moved on I think from that kind of culture but mm. there's obviously some there's some paparazzi and there's some media outlets that haven't that still yeah. think that they want those kind of pictures that you'd see on page six yeah. or so gross I yeah. also saw people giving out that the friend's 
podcast hadn't that the statement wasn't enough or that it hadn't been quick enough it's like come on people yeah, they're grieving they're really grieving. we're talking about human beings here like yeah. what kind of like it's like sometimes people want people to perform grief for them i don't understand mm. it anyway rest in peace matthew perry you were truly great by the sense of things and um it is so sad that you have died so young He's listening, obviously. I realize every time I say something like that, I'm like, you sound like an idiot. But you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, there's definitely podcasts in the afterlife. If there isn't, I don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, okay, um, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, let's talk about celebrity Halloween costumes because, of course, it was Halloween this week. I have thoughts. They're so... Okay, they are so disappointing. <laughs> Just so massively. Like, celebrities dressing up as other celebrities is so fucking boring. And there was so much of that this year. Yeah. There was... Okay, I will say Adele looked absolutely sensational yeah a lot of adam's family stuff this year as well but i think that's probably because of wednesday oh being yeah so maybe big during the year perhaps yeah adele dressed up as um morticia morticia adams, adams and, and looked talks so hot yeah she looks insane it's, she looks yeah, so good so incredible like that's a look i wish i could pull off on the daily if i looked like that i would be i would be dressed as morticia i kind of want to give that makeup a go Maybe I'll buy a wig and give it a lot. You definitely could pull that off. That could be a that. really fun other voices look for you. <laughs> Can you imagine walking up to walk- Christmas with full Morticia yeah. like hair and makeup? I'm Stunning. kind of into that as an idea, Stunning. actually. I mean, subvert the, the seasons. <laughs> the Christmas the people who make Christmas part of their personality won't enjoy it, but uh, I would. I love um, it. And then we have like Hayley Bieber, who is just wearing lingerie because she's also really hot. Dressing up as uh, Carmen Electra from Scary Movie. That's so specific. Like, come on. If if you have to have a reference for your costume in your photograph, it's or you failing. have to do this Photoshop thing where, you, you know, she's got the scream guy in here, mm. then it's not obvious enough. I agree. And it's not funny enough. Ed Sheeran is, you know, um, Chucky. Obvious again, but he did it well. He did it well. I'm kind of into that one, yeah. I like Mariah Carey as um, Jessica Rabbit. But mm-hmm. again, these are just people who look, who are just dressed up looking really, really hot. So I have a lot to say about celebrity Halloween costumes. But first, I would like to acknowledge I loved Kim Kardashian and North as yes, Sharon Dion yes, from yes, Scooters. Yes, that was really good. Like, that is so good. But my overall issue with celebrity Halloween costumes is that it's not as exciting when you know that they have access to the best hair and makeup and costume in the world. Yeah, obviously. Like, yeah. you know, of course you can look exactly like whatever. Of course, Heidi Klum, you can spend 17 hours in makeup and be one of the people from Avatar because you can hire the literal hair and makeup artists yeah. from Avatar. Like, it's not as exciting. Like, and, and when they do things that are kind of obvious, it just doesn't give you the same buzz. Like, I think things like Kourtney Kardashian dressing up as Kim at the Met Gala, that has a, like... A, a sense of humor, excuse me. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah. And Sarah Highland and Wells Adams dressing up as ranch and ketchup. Like, that's a hoot. Yeah. You know, you can have fun with Halloween. Have a laugh. Trying to be just like a sexy version of another celebrity is like Kendall Jenner as Marilyn Monroe. Like, come on. I you're know. not. It's just a blonde wig and a black polo neck. My other issue is that they all appear to be doing like eight costumes Mm. a year. So like the Kardashians all did about five different costumes. Their kids did about five different costumes. I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to agonize for months over who you're going to be and spend weeks assembling your costume 
out of things you have in your house and one or two things that you a buy. Black bag. Do and they it not should have exactly. black bags. These children don't they're not don't they're not know. getting the true spirit of Halloween. I know it's so sad. Um, <laughs> and they're not they're not being humorous enough with it. Like if no. you want to be a sexy thing, a sexy version of something, you have to pick something that's traditionally unsexy yes. and make it sexy. I was a sexy typhoid Mary and it was a huge hit. Love that for you. Yeah. So I think they need to try a little bit harder yeah. my number one costume this year came from hannah burner hannah burner used to be on the bravo show summer house she is famously married to des bishop who obviously we all know very well here she did some halloween spawn <laughs> which makes it even better and dressed up as a bloody pad yeah it was but like but also sexy. a sexy one <laughs> <laughs> she looks like a sexy menstrual cycle I um, love that yeah but even her caption I'm painting the town red this Halloween I was like oh, so good it. It so was, good yeah absolutely uh, stunning uh, special note to Lil Nas X who dressed up as a bloody tampon which really to be honest pushed it over the edge like I'm not sure about that one too far yeah, yeah there was nothing there was nothing there that stood out for me as being even Heidi I mean there was gonna be no topping the worm mm. from last year I do like she was was that um, only last year yeah it was last year I think gosh it feels way longer ago. um so she was a peacock and then the feathers were all these different acrobatic artists and yeah, that was care. shut up it was beautiful and stunning but the worm had the comedy factor that oh Halloween God, the is worm was bring. only last year god yeah. I am truly shocked by that what a year it has been my <laughs> god we've squeezed a lot in <laughs> Honestly, the fact that I am still standing, it will never cease to be miraculous. Okay, uh, next up, Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum are engaged. Zoe Kravitz, my number one girl. I watched High Fidelity recently. Have you watched that? No, but you've, all, you've told me to watch it. Cassie. She is absolutely sensational. Didn't realize she was only 34. That makes me feel not great about myself. Um, <laughs> sh- I didn't know these two were together. I didn't yeah, know. They've been think- together for a while. It's kind of an odd one to me um, just because Zoe Kravitz seems like the hottest, coolest girl in the world. And Channing Tatum seems like not such cool. a melt, doesn't he? Yeah. He seems like he seems like the kind of guy that would have bullied your brother in school, do you know? <laughs> not to defame Channing Tatum. See, but I like- just, maybe it's because of 21 Jump Street or something, but in my head, he's just thick, you know? I just like nice but thick. I think yeah, he just hasn't got a lot going on. Is what I see with him and his but movie choices. Maybe we're wrong. I mean, I don't know. Maybe now. So she said that he makes me laugh, and we both really love art and talking about art and the exploration of why we do what we do, which just sounds like mm. a standard conversation. Mm. Um, yeah. So apparently they've been together since twenty twenty one, and got engaged there recently. Mm. Okay, so I have a headline here from Vanity Fair in 2014. (laughs) Channing Tatum has never considered himself a very smart person. (laughs) At least he's self-aware. No, no, but it's in the context of his ADHD. He basically said that because he he wasn't um, properly diagnosed and treated for his ADHD, he grew up in school thinking that he was stupid. Well, now I feel bad, obviously. Sorry, 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 Channing. Yeah, so we love you. I just, again, I think that, like, he is punching here. Oh, Anyone would be punching with Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, and I know that he is, for the straights, a very high bar. (laughs) He is very hot in Magic Mike. I've never seen it. What? I've never I've never felt the need. It's Steve Soderbergh, like it's a good movie. Yeah, I might I don't know, I might revisit it in the in the coming months, but I have never watched it. I think you should and just see. Just see what impact 
yeah he has on you yeah yeah Yeah, maybe truly see where you are on that sexuality spectrum (laughs) (laughs) i could it could really push me very far down the other way yeah you don't know i mean you really don't know okay anyway congrats zoe and channing um now speaking of marriage uh, and one that recently ended sophie turner has been photographed kissing a man um you're gonna have to say his name yeah so the main reason i wanted to talk about this is because of his name his name is, and this is not a joke, Peregrine. <laughs> Peregrine Pearson, who He's, recently split from Princess Maria Olympia. He sounds like a fancy mineral. He sounds made up. Like yeah, it's, it's just absolutely, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And we can make fun of him because he's like a billionaire. Yeah, because he's so rich and he's got some ties to the royal family and he's an, they, he's described as an aristocrat and I didn't even think that we had those things anymore. Apparently we so, do. So um, yeah, she was spotted in Paris having a little, in Paris having a little shift with Peregrine. Peregrine uh, Yes. Having a wonderful time. Now, Look, she went on a little date. I'm not going to read too much into this. No. I don't think it's that exciting. I'd say it was, I'd say it was a little Tinder match in Paris, and they off they went and had their little time. She's she was having there. a bit of fun. Good for you, yeah. Sophie. And Joe had the kids on Halloween, so a lot of the headlines were like, "Joe holds down the fort yeah. while you know she's off kissing in Paris." It's like, well, no, they've got shared custody of the kids. Yeah. It was his night. She was probably upset that she didn't yes. have them at Halloween and went out and got herself a little kiss and I support her for that I don't want to see this go any further because I think he seems like a parody of a rich person but well it's also just their own too soon I I, like I wouldn't like her to see her uh and I will obviously text her and tell her this but I would think it would be too soon for anything serious she should go and like sow her wild oats on the weeks where she doesn't have the kids and enjoy herself I mean that is probably what she's doing but she's Sophie Turner there's been so much attention on her that she can't go out and just have a romantic little smoochy smooch exactly the paparazzi are going to be there but yeah she was in Paris anyway to um present the world cup the rugby world cup final trophy she's working so yeah I mean I've never associated her with the rugby world cup before and I don't still don't really I mean it's a big cup it's kind of games of (laughs) throny but I uh look she was there she had a great time and I support her thoroughly for it so do I good for you Sophie kiss loads of frogs and eventually you'll get your prince see what I did there yeah Okay, yeah. that's that's really all, pals. There wasn't a lot around this week. We can only hope that there'll be a lot of action next week. Hopefully lots of happy stories of people being happy and coming together and, and celebrating because God knows we need it. Um, Cassie Delaney, where can the people find you? I am Cassie Lorraine everywhere on the internet and generally about town. Um, no, I am the on podcast the podcast, The Creep <laughs> Street 66. Um, <laughs> I am on The Creep Dive and it's a big hoot over there. <laughs> Just about time for me to go. But before I do, I just want to give you a little recommendation. I am currently reading a book called She Wants It, Desire, Power and Toppling the Patriarchy. This is given to me by my friend Sophie White, who picked it up, I think, in a secondhand bookshop in America. It came out in 2018 and it is a memoir. It is really funny and sharp. And it is by Joey Soloway. Although at the time that this was published, um, the name on the book is Jill Soloway. Joey Soloway is trans and has had a fascinating career and um 
life and uh, you know has been on a, a really interesting period of transition over the last number of years uh, the book is r- such an easy read it's not that long it's not super heavy it really personalizes a lot of the issues that I think some people tro- struggle to get their head around um, and obviously a lot has happened since the book was was published in terms of Joey Soloway and uh, their development and stuff but it is um it's it's really good I'm so enjoying it and I don't think it's that easy to get but it is available if you know what I mean like you can definitely get it on Amazon and you can get it secondhand and there's a few websites where it's available I just double checked and if you're looking for something that's kind of thought-provoking but not a super difficult read if you're interested in the world of entertainment Joey has written so much good TV and you get to learn a lot about those processes of developing TV scripts and um, and film scripts as well all of that kind of entertainment stuff is really interesting if you are interested in life in LA there's a lot of that stuff in there and then there's stuff about sexuality and identity and it's just brilliant um i would highly recommend it she wants it as i said it's called desire power and toppling the patriarchy um also i just find reading a book with a title like that makes me feel smart do you know what i mean it just does guys and i'm a shallow little girl and all i want is to feel smart <laughs> other than that um there's not a not a lot to recommend this week i'm still absolutely flat out on big brother so enjoying it um i finished britney's book actually um which obviously we talked about extensively on the podcast last week but it is brilliant if you haven't read it yet i listened to it on audiobook it's only about five and a half hours long so it's i mean it's really just like listening to a few long podcasts um it will make you really angry. Like I kind of want to physically fight all of the men who have ever been in her life, um, almost all of them. Um, it will make you really reflect on media and entertainment and the way it's structured to be anti-women or certainly has been in the past. I think things are a bit better now. Um, and it will make you really hope for Britney's happiness. It is it is brilliant. I really recommend it. I think it should be kind of required listening for anyone who's ever been a fan of Britney Spears at any stage in their lives. So there you go. Those are my recommendations. Don't forget to send me your thoughts, comments, opinions. If there's anything that's troubling you or you're thinking about or that you just would like to hear me discuss, I'm going to be recording the mailbag episode of the Patreon next week. Um, The number to send voice notes and comments to is 089-209-6423. That's 089-209-6423. I uh, love to hear from you. There's really interesting chats going on over there. So if you want to join the Patreon to hear those episodes as well, obviously uh, feel free. The link is in the show notes. I wish you the very best for this week. I hope you have a great week. But as we always say, they cannot always be great. And things are particularly tough at the moment. I think if you're a sensitive person, Person. So sending you loads of love. Put one foot in front of the other. We will get there. Thank you to Acast and to all my contributors. I will talk to you next Friday. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.